Welcome to 30 by 30 by Candace and Jake, a podcast about life up to 30 and everything that comes after that. You'll hear us rant about work, relationships, dirty laundry, passion projects, and Cheetos. So if you're an avid consumer of Cheetos, please listen. On a serious note, if you're just like us, in your 20s, dreading the upcoming 30s, give us a listen. So welcome guys to episode 11. Here we're going to talk about some helpful adult skills. So we've been thinking, we've been adults, in quotes, for years now, but do we feel like adults? What does it mean to be an adult and how do we master that adulting? So today we're going to go over some of these essential skills that we think every young adult should learn on the way to the 30-30s. So regardless of what part of life you're in, we hope you can learn something from us. Or even better, actually, perhaps we'll learn even more about ourselves from this conversation or from your questions and comments. So without further ado, let's just brainstorm together. So Candice, what brought about this topic? Were we having a conversation about people who didn't know how to do basic adulting stuff? I think so. I think that might have been it. I don't know. Maybe some friend of ours didn't know how to do something or like, I think by this time you should know how to do that. I have to admit, I don't personally feel like I mastered adulting yet. I'm still on that journey, especially since I'm not fully independent living at home. But I think there are some skills on here that we're going to go over that people should know and that at least try to know. I do feel that there's very little people in the world that have mastered adulting. (laughs) Yeah, you have a good point. When we're like 12, we think 17-year-olds are adults or something like that. When we're 17, we're like, yeah, 23-year-olds are adults. And then when we're 23, we think 30-year-olds are adults. It's like that older kid. (laughs) Yeah. And now we're hitting 30 and a lot of our friends still don't know how to do this or that. And so... I'm sure people in their 40s and 50s don't know how to do certain things. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. As long as people are willing to try or make an effort and have an open mind to learn these things, it's all good. And some, of course, were taught by parents. Some were taught by friends. But I feel like most of it is just from personal experience, from doing it yourself, and then you just learn. Yep. For this episode, we won't be talking too much in depth about anything job-related or traveling-related adulting skills. Just because that can mainly be its own topic, we might list it out, but we're not going to go too in-depth into it because we don't want to kind of cross over into our future episodes. Yes, for sure. We're just going to go over very everyday adult skills that we think that people should know. Yeah. First on the list, basic car maintenance is so important. I have to say that I'm probably not really good at basic car maintenance. (laughs) You guys might have heard before in our previous episode about my biggest regret purchase, my car. So I do know a little bit about cars. I by no means am a mechanic or an expert, but talking or knowing some people that are in that realm has helped me with basic car maintenance. And I think it is very important because especially here in the States, having a car is needed. You have to use the car to go places. Public transportation is not always reliable. And it's also a, another topic on safety. But having a car, you do need to take care of it for it to last long, right? Right. You can't just not do anything and expect it to last you more than five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some things such as jump-starting your car, that's one critical skill. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be stuck out somewhere and somebody comes down to try and help you out and you don't know how to jump-start a car. Or if your friend's car needs to be jump-started and you don't know how to help out or both of you don't know how to do it, then it's a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah. I mean, I can say that I quote unquote helped people jumpstart their car, but to be honest, if you were to ask me the exact steps, what to do, I actually don't know. I've just seen it happen lots of times. (laughs) It's very important because you could get stranded out there one time. I think it's a good idea to just keep a pair of jumper cables in your car. Oh yeah, that's um, just keeping them in the trunk because you never know. You can even be that good Samaritan to help somebody on the side of the road because maybe they're blocking traffic and then you just happen to have jumper cables and everyone else is ignoring them or doesn't have it. Then you can be the one to at least help them out. You're going to make their day a lot better and then you feel good about it too. Luckily, we all have smartphones now. So just in case we all forget, we can always just pull out our phone and Google the steps all over again. So no excuses, guys. Exactly. YouTube is a great resource. Yep. Another one is actually how to change your tire. That is actually a very important skill too, because your car, the only points of contact to the ground are the tires. And that's really critical. So first of all, if you own a car, guys, know what car you have. Oh my gosh. (laughs) See if your car has a spare tire. There's a lot of things that goes in the tires that I don't want to go too much in depth on, but do a little bit of research. Just know your tires really well because you never know, especially if you have a spare tire, it can save you. One time I actually paid a visit our friends, Tim and Eunice's house. And this place was 30 miles roughly away from where I live. And when I was leaving, it was 2 a.m. at the time. So the streets were quiet. It was empty. It was dark, of course my tire pressure light came on. Basically, the car is telling you that there's a change of tire pressure and that one of the tires are low. And so I got out to check and lo and behold, one of the tires had a hole from a nail. And so I had to swap out a spare tire. Now, given if I didn't know how, it would have been a lot of trouble because I would have to call a tow truck. I would have to bother maybe my parents at 2 a.m. It's really frustrating. Luckily, I had a spare tire. I jacked it up, I knew how to change it, and then I drove back home, hazards on, stayed in the right lane, but at least I made it back safely. Did you do it by yourself? Was anybody helping you? Actually, just for safety reasons, I gave Tim and Eunice a call because I just left their place. I just Mm -hmm. started the car and I was only like two blocks away before the light came on. Mm -hmm. So I called them up and I immediately pulled up to their driveway again. So at least he watched me while I did it just in case anything happened Mm -hmm. because I'm too focused on my car. I don't want some passerby to potentially like rob you, rob me or something, (laughs) you know? So I think it's important to know how to change your tire. You know, it's really funny that you also mentioned it's important to know what car you have. Yeah. Because there was a friend of mine, she had bought a car. She was like, oh, I just bought a new car last week. And I asked, oh, cool. What car? And she said, um, it's a Toyota. And I was like, a Toyota what? And she's like, I don't know, but it's a Toyota. And I was like, how did you go to a car dealership and negotiate for a car and figure out what price you wanted to pay for this with what was included and not know what car you have? Oh my gosh. (laughs) She was 26 or 27, I think. Dang, that's surprising. You got to know what car you have. It baffled me. I was like, how much did you pay for this? Did you overpay? Like, Might have, you never know. Did you do your research? It's like, here's a Toyota Corolla. It's actually worth 40K. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't want to push it. I didn't want to make her feel bad. So I was just like, okay, cool. She's like, it's blue. (laughs) It's blue. (laughs) There actually are a lot of people out there that say like, oh yeah, I got a Toyota or it's blue. It's, It's gray. 
I think it's important to at least know what car you have. That's like the bottom line. So that in the case that you get into an accident or someone's describing a car or like getting details out of you, or if you go to a car shop and try to buy a part, yeah, you got to know your car, right? They're going to ask you, what car do you have? It's a great Toyota. It's not going to help, right? <laughs> Anyways, got to know how to change your tire. That's really important. And I just want to point this out, guys. I've seen a guy on the highway with a spare tire driving over 70. That is not a good idea, guys. If you have a spare tire, you change it. Do not drive over 50 miles per hour. That spare tire can only handle so much pressure. You're just putting yourself more in danger. Mm -hmm. It's really dangerous. On that note, know how to check your tire pressure. I own a very cheap, very reliable tire pressure gauge that glows in the dark. Oh, what? It's been really handy. I just keep it in the back of my car and you should check your tire pressure once a month. Your car tires will lose air over time. And so you want to just check to make sure that it's in the optimal range so that you have the best mileage out of your car, your tires get the best tread wear, all of it. Won't your car tell you if it's not optimal though? You brought up a very good point. I think modern cars nowadays will tell you. My car, unluckily, doesn't have that kind of tech. Oh, I see. Does your car have that? Yeah, it tells me tire pressure. I mean, it doesn't tell me which one. It just mm-hmm. tells me that it's low. That used to happen a lot. <laughs> oh, no. Definitely, it was just like, dude, I just put it in. And it wasn't flat or anything. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a hole. So it must have just been like skirting the lower levels of optimal pressure. Yeah, so I guess it tells me. That's great that you have a car that does that. They have those electronic gauges now, so you don't have to use a gauge yourself. For me, I don't have it, so I do use it. But why it's important to check? Yeah. Because some people actually ignore the warnings. That's not a good idea. Dumb people. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean like, ooh, there's a warning sign. Let's ignore it. It says danger, keep out. Let's ignore it. (laughs) That's how people get hurt. Yeah, you got to know what's going on before it's too late, right? So with that... Just to briefly explain why you should keep your tire pressure at optimal PSI is because too high or too low causes uneven wear on your tires and then you have to spend more money for more tires because you could have prevented that in the first place, a simple fill-up. In addition to tire pressure, it's also good to check your oil, all the fluids in your car, brakes, etc. I don't personally do this as often as I should. (laughs) I used to when I lived at home and I had a garage to park my car in and kind of do all that stuff. I don't do that as much now, given where I live. But yeah, you can explain why that's important. (laughs) Yeah, because fluids are what lubricates your car and keeps all the metal parts from deteriorating. The most important one is probably oil, because that's what lubricates your engine, the moving parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you want to just check your oil. You can take your dipstick out. Most cars have a dipstick. I know some have a closed system. It gets really complicated, but I'm not going to go there. So if you have a dipstick, just take it out. Just check there's an H and L. So should it be somewhere in between H and L? It should ideally be in between, never an L because L just means low. (laughs) So you want to keep your engine lubricated at all times. Also, as Candace mentioned, there's other parts like the brake fluid, power steering fluid, coolant is also fluid. So all these you got to check too, and they have levels as well. So just pop your hood once a month and just check that as long as they're like cold minimum, you're good. If they're low, just read your car manual and see what's the dealership's recommended fluid and grade to put into that compartment and uh, you're good to go. I had a friend who was thinking to mix dishwasher soap and water for windshield wiper fluid. What are your thoughts on that? 
I've actually never heard of that before, but I don't think that's a good idea because <laughs> okay. dishwasher fluid is meant for dishes. I'm no expert on this. I assume that the windshield wiper fluid has some special chemicals and stuff to help get rid of like dirt. Like so you're, I don't know. It's just. Okay. What if he used window cleaner like Windex? Oh, see, I don't know. I don't want to test it out on my car. Maybe he should test it out and let me know. <laughs> Okay. I was just wondering because he mentioned that to me earlier and I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea, but I bet people have done that. Yeah. I bet too, trying to save on fluid or something, but yeah, I I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I should probably check all of my car stuff. Yeah. I was actually just going to go get an oil change and have them check all of it because I don't want to pop open my car here. Yeah. Guys, if you guys don't want to pop them your car, you have a reliable mechanic, have your mechanic just check it out. Just keep on that regular service maintenance intervals and you'll be good. And hopefully your car will last for a while. How long's a while? 10 years? 12 years? 15? I would say an average is 10 years. I think you're right. So our family van is actually 20 years old now. So, Jeez. and it's still running really well. I mean, some parts have to be changed yeah. because it has like 180,000 miles, but it still runs well. The engine is still healthy. Okay. Speaking of buying cars, how did you guys pick your car? How did you guys figure out what to check for? And first of all, was it new or was it used? So the Sienna is actually brand new. It's from a dealer. So everyone has different stories on what they need in a car. Some people want a brand new fancy car. Some people just need a car for A to B and they're okay with a second hand. So I can't speak for everyone here. Just to do a quick summary, if possible, just know what you need. Do you need a sports car? Do you need a family car to transport people? Do you need an all-wheel drive? Just kind of like do your research. I mean, online, there's so much resources out there now. So I don't think it's an excuse as mentioned before. Make sure you do your research look at all the variety out there because different cars offer different things. I can't speak too much for a new car. That just is your personal preference. But for a used car, I would say, because we bought a Honda Civic that was used. You kind of want to go through the car thoroughly, inspecting the body of the car, checking out the wheels and tires. Just make sure everything is in decent shape. Mm -hmm. Last but not least, want to check on the owner. I'm not trying to like stereotype, but there are different types of car owners. Is the person a young guy? Honestly speaking, if a guy was going to buy my car for me, they're going to assume I raced it, right? Because I'm a young male. Most of the time, they like to race their cars and show off. Are they just a family guy trying to get rid of their car because they need extra cash for a house? You, you never know. Or like a girl that has no idea what the car is and was just like left for her and then she just wants to get rid of it. I don't know. This sounds awfully sexist, man. <laughs> It is kind of, but you kind of can gauge what the type of person is by like... Yeah, I think if you had a conversation, you would know. Exactly. Because then the one thing about the Honda Civic, the guy we bought it from was a smoker. Ugh. So we knew that the car was going to smell like crap. (laughs) I'm sorry for all you smoker listeners out there. No, I completely agree. Unless they're blowing the smoke straight out the window every time. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just have a conversation with them, get to know them a little bit. There's plenty of resources out there, guys. I'm not going to get too much about it, but online, great resource. Mm, Okay, I will go online. Great. Not that I'm (laughs) buying a car anytime soon, but yeah. You will buy my car? Just kidding. Nah. We're going to move on from cars now. When we talk about getting to know people, interpersonal skills is another aspect of adult life that is super important. And Why this is important is because, number one, it just gets you out there in society. 
it gets your name out and you actually get to make connections with other people that were initially strangers. But once you have that sort of connection, they might be able to help you down the line. So it's a good idea to just be open to meeting people and just talking with them and conversating with them. But it all begins with that first impression, which is a handshake. So a handshake is actually really critical. I kid you not. I've shaken hands with not saying I'm the best handshake in the world, but Mm -hmm. I've shaken hands with a decent amount of people. And there are some people that once I shook their hand, I felt like, oh, this guy's really confident. Or, wow, this girl knows what she's talking about. Or, what the heck? Did that guy just like nimbly grab me or something? Like, what is that? You know, (laughs) you kind of have like a weird impression on them when they don't have a good handshake. Yeah, I've definitely had a few handshakes where I grabbed their hand and it just felt like I was grabbing like... A ragdoll? Yeah, like a ragdoll or like cleaning gloves (laughs) that has nothing in them. Like they're just limp. (laughs) And I'm just like, how can you... I don't know. To me, I've always given pretty decent firm handshakes. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine giving a limp handshake. To me, that feels like you don't care much about who you're meeting. You have a good point there. It also shows that you're not really into this meetup or this kind of conversation. And so it just doesn't provide a good impression. Yeah. I feel like it's the equivalent of walking up to somebody and going like, oh, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, I'm here. Yeah, cool. I was forced to be here, but um, whatever. That's just the impression you get. And that's not good. Yeah. So another thing too is when you're shaking that hand, it's a good idea to give a firm handshake, but also make eye contact. Yeah. This also moves into interviews, right? When you do an interview, that's actually another adult skill. When you go out into the real world and apply for jobs and stuff, right? You should make eye contact. You should show that you have confidence because that's the time when you're selling yourself to your potential new employer. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a good idea to stay confident. And I think another thing too that people forget is the smile. I think a smile really goes a long way. Not trying to be cheesy here. It's just because it shows that you're pleasant, you're approachable, and that you're just not internally pissed off. It's something I need to work on too. No, I agree. I'm just kind of laughing because I have very nervous smiling during interviews. (laughs) So I'm like smiling, but not because I'm like, yeah, I'm personable and friendly and approachable. It's like, they need to like me. (laughs) Wait, is that your awkward smile? Oh my God. So guys, of course, we're social distancing right now. So we have to record over Zoom chat. I just, she just made the funniest smile ever. And I can't stop giggling right now. I mean, I don't know how I actually look. I just imagine that I probably look normal. You look damn good. I'll just tell you that. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Smiling is just a skill that I feel like it's not really a skill. It's just a habit. And a lot of people forget. And I always forget. Oh, you have that resting bitch face, right? Sometimes I have it. No, I definitely have it. Yeah. And I forget that. (laughs) (laughs) And like, even if you're not pissed off, but you're not smiling, don't forget guys, a lot of human communication is through body language. And so that smile already helps break down a lot of walls and barriers. And so it just makes it so that the other person is like, oh, this guy's friendly. That's how some employers trick you, man. That's true too, but we're not going to get into that, okay? We're going to stay positive here, all right? We're trying to give helpful adult tips, Candice. We ain't <laughs> yes, getting just, negative. All right, just smile and uh, crack a joke here and there. Be personable. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, I applaud. Thanks. But <laughs> jokes aside, though, last but not least, interpersonal skills, 
customer service. I actually am a firm believer that everyone should work a customer service kind of related job for at least a year just to get that grasp of how it works and how to interact with somebody when you're trying to sell or you're trying to help the person on their needs and what they want. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that it helps a lot with just being able to speak to people in general, both in person or on the phone or online. Because one of my earlier first jobs was doing IT help desk, which was basically just a tech support. And we had a lot of phone calls. We had a lot of in-person tech support. And before this job, I was not good at making phone calls. I would write down the phone number that I need to call. This is like for... Are these strangers too? Uh, no, they were all part of one company. So okay. they were like a client that had 300 employees for this company. And we supported the 200, 300 people. So mm-hmm. they were strangers to begin with. And then they weren't after like a year. But I mean, prior to this job, anytime I needed to call to make an appointment just for life-related things or calling a restaurant to make takeout, like honestly, I was very anxious. Like I literally would need to write down exactly what I'm going to say. Hello, insurance. I have a question about this, this, and this, this. I didn't know how to speak to people. Oh, wow. And in person as well, if I needed help or something, sometimes I couldn't explain myself very well. And so being able to get that customer service skill from that job really helped with that because I was talking to people all the time. I was picking up phone calls all the time. I used to have a lot of anxiety about picking up phone calls as well (laughs) because I was always like, oh, I don't know what they're going to ask about. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I'm going to know the answer to their question. What do I do if I sound like an idiot over the phone because I don't know what they're asking for? Basically, that job just erased all of that for me. Yeah, it looked like it really helped you. Wait, hold on. Was this before I met you in Japan? Did you feel this way already? Or I didn't realize that. Yeah, I was like that in Japan too. Oh, wow. Japan was... Not so bad because... Mm -hmm. Different country? Kind of. I think because it was a different country, anything that we were going to do, like trying to call Domino's for delivery, obviously no one's going to know how to do that. So we were all going to write it down somewhere because it's in a different language. But back home, I'd be rehearsing. This is what I'm going to say. When I go to orientation, this is what I'm going to say if they ask for like a self-introduction. I don't think any of that on the spot. I have to write it down. I actually never knew that about you. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. But I'm glad you overcame it with this IT help support desk job. Yeah. I mean, talking to people day in and day out. Now I'm kind of just like, I make phone calls all the time. And for my new jobs (laughs) where I have to call a whole bunch of vendors and figure that kind of stuff out, I'm completely okay now. Yeah. So this is a prime example, guys, about improvement. And so after what Candice went through with her previous job, that actually helped a lot with having confidence to talk to strangers. And I think that would help you guys too, or anybody for that matter, if they experience some sort of level of customer service in their daily life. Yeah, it just also helps being able to solve issues on the fly and know how to talk to people, different types of people, angry people, happy people, dumb people, idiot people, high-level executives, CEOs. Like You need to be able to learn how to talk to all different types of people. Yeah, I agree with that. So we can definitely go on and on about customer service. I think it's a big aspect of life. We won't get too much into this right now, but we're going to shift gears now. We're going to just talk about home skills, which is actually a critical one because as an adult, you're going to have to learn how to take care of yourself and you're going to live somewhere. So you're going to have to teach yourself important life skills, such as how to unclog a toilet. (laughs) On my notes, I wrote, I don't have shits that big. (laughs) 
<laughs> I do. But, <laughs> but that's important. Just buy a plunger. Quality plunger. I'm sure if you went to like a dollar store and you bought a plunger, that's like a one-use plunger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't want to test it out. That's nasty. Something like that. Like how to iron your clothes properly. There are actually people that don't know how to iron their clothes. Having a wrinkly suit versus a well-ironed suit or shirt is just much better when people look at you. They just see you as like a more tidy person. Yeah, they see that you put in the effort to look decent and not just throw on whatever you had. I have to admit, I don't have an iron right now. Yeah, I do have an iron, but I haven't had to iron my clothes for a while, actually. So It just so happens that most of my dress shirts are wrinkle-resistant. As long as I hang in the closet, I don't really need to. That help. Life hack, I guess. You could just buy wrinkle-free shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they sell those that readily here, but I know in Japan they have specialty suit shops because everybody in Japan wears suits no matter what job they're in, basically. They're in arcade-wearing suits. <laughs> I mean, okay, any office worker. So you walk down the street in Japan, 70% of people are wearing suits, the women too. Yeah. And so they have these specialty suit shops that I've actually went to with my uncle and aunt, and they have all sorts of suit technology that I don't see here. Wrinkle-free suits, cooling suits, heating suits, and all sorts of stuff I've just never seen here. That's some high-tech shit, man. If you want to buy some suits, go to Japan. That's pretty cool. Another one is growing your own food. So about that... When I was younger, I think my grandma grew a lot of cabbages in the backyard, apples, pears, a lot of that kind of stuff. I didn't appreciate it then because I was a young, dumb kid who thought it was disgusting because there were bugs (laughs) on there. Dude, that's my sister. But I mean, now we grow tomatoes on our patio here. And actually, we grow tomatoes and two types of basil and arugula and chives and spinach nice just having it readily available and fresh it just tastes different than buying it from the store and you kind of save a little bit of money too yeah if i could i would just own a farm and just grow my own food dude that's awesome that moves into the gardening aspect of things it's actually a very popular hobby and good point you actually save a lot of money. So my parents actually enjoy gardening and I'm lucky enough. They have a big backyard and it's full of different fruits and vegetables and such. And the one that we always have a giant harvest is snap peas. Ooh, oh yeah. We always end up eating peas for dinner four times a week. You might think it's boring, but it mm. tastes so different. It tastes good, actually. It tastes like sweeter. It's hard to describe, but when it's organic, it just tastes so much better. Yeah. Not that I'm saying you need to grow your own food to be an adult or whatever. Yeah. It's just uh, something I don't really see younger kids doing, not appreciating, I suppose, which is why I threw it into this. No, I think it's good to bring up because I'm slowly starting to appreciate it more because understanding that when you have to go grocery shopping, the differences in ingredients, organic versus non-organic, the effort that my parents make when they're actually out there gardening. I help water sometimes, but I don't know too much about soil and stuff. This is a whole mm-hmm. another topic, but it's like one thing that I use a lot of is mint in my cocktails. And actually my mom planted mint because mm. mint is not something that people buy all the time at the groceries. So it's actually expensive. Yeah. And also they come in giant batches too and you don't need all of that in such a short period of time exactly now i have a big pot of mint outside that i could just rip off one sprig i don't have to buy 
a whole box and now waste the rest. Right. And we're forced to use it. So it's great. Man, I should grow some mint actually. So I can put that in my coffee. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Give you some mint next time I drop by or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some mint. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your mask, people. <laughs> Anyways. So going back into clothing, just knowing how to do your laundry too, I think that's... Why did we list it this way? You guys got to know how to do your laundry. First things first, I have never separated colors. Me neither, actually. I never had an issue. If I ever ran into a problem where I mixed it and something happened, then I would never do it again. But I've actually never had an issue mixing colors, mm -hmm. which is why I say I don't mix them. Number two, for most of your clothes, if you don't know how to wash it, just look at the label. They'll tell you how to wash it. And then if it says something like, don't put it in the dryer, don't fucking put it in the dryer. <laughs> and if it says, don't use hot water, don't fucking use hot water. Yeah, I think a lot of that is self-explanatory. So we're not going to get too much into this. Well, some people don't know that. They just think everything in the hamper goes into the washer. I pour in detergent. I've seen some pretty bad. You had a story about this or something in college? I don't have a specific one. I just remember walking into the dorm laundry room and I think some girl was agonizing oh. about her laundry. She didn't know how to do it and she didn't do it right. Okay, poor girl. <laughs> and then of course for those more complicated articles of clothing, like a giant pea coat or a rain jacket. I assume it's on the label too, so. Yeah, I think for pea coats, wool jackets and those sort of things, I would say a lot of them might be dry cleaning. And then for more technical wear like rain jackets or down jackets and that kind of stuff, it will be on the label, but for rain jackets specifically, there's a different way of washing them. Mm -hmm. And that's because your rain jacket typically has this layer on it called DWR, which is mm. durable water repellent. And so that's actually the layer that, I don't know if they spray it on, but it's a layer that's on that degrades over time with use and abrasion and stuff. But that is the thing that causes the water to beat up on your jacket oh. and like slide off your jacket. That's DWR. Okay. But it breaks down over time. So if you buy a jacket, maybe not a rain jacket, maybe it's like a windbreaker or something that has DWR. A lot of people will assume that it's waterproof, but it's not. DWR is highly water resistant, but once the DWR breaks down, it's not exactly waterproof. How long does that stuff last usually? It depends on how you use your gear. So if you're out running around, moving around a lot, and you wash it a lot, then it won't last as much as somebody who wears it less, obviously. So with DWR, you can't wash it with regular detergent as well, because regular detergent will actually break down DWR. Hmm. So you need to either wash it with a DWR wash, that's a specific detergent you can find online, or you can spray it with a DWR finisher or buffer. Okay. I don't know what the correct term would be. You would spray it and then you put it in the dryer to bond the DWR Ooh. back to your fabric. But in terms of rain jackets, DWR is actually just one layer. The actual waterproofing layer is underneath that. There are different technologies like Gore-Tex is one, mm. which you've probably seen. And then dry vent is from North Face and that's a different technology, but that's like an actual membrane underneath the DWR. So that's the actual waterproofing part. Okay. Oh. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that goes into technical gear. No, that's really interesting. I've never heard of that stuff before. Yeah, I can do like 20 episodes on technical gear. But <laughs> anyway, I just think it's important, especially for people nowadays who are trying to get into outdoors and buying more technical gear and going outdoors and backpacking or camping or all that kind of stuff. I don't want them to think that they're spending a lot of money for something that isn't completely waterproof or isn't waterproof for as long as they want. 
it's important that they know how to take care of it and maintain it because that's how it's made for. Those kind of products, it's all in the manufacturer's notes. Sometimes when people spend a lot of money, they think, oh, it's a waste of money or whatever. But you could be spending that money for a good cause because it's a well-made product. This brings about the whole quality of goods. Yeah. Cheap versus expensive. It's like when we grow up, this is an aspect that we really need to think about heavily, how we spend our money on products. Yeah. So in regards to jackets and stuff, I totally bought like a um, cheaper Columbia rain jacket. It was like a hundred bucks or something like that. That did not last too long. <laughs> I even took care of it in the way that it was meant to be taken care of. And that didn't last that long. And then I bought, well, I didn't buy. Ryan bought me uh... <laughs> a jacket. Well, he had a discount, like a jacket that's $300 retail price. And I took that shit to Iceland. <laughs> I took it to multiple camping trips and backpacking trips. And the quality of that, you can really tell that it has not changed from the first time I bought it. And so $300 is way more worth than the $100 that, that I spent. And if I were to go back again, I'd still choose the $300. I'd rather have one $300 than three $100s. Yeah, because it wastes you three trips just to go get that jacket, right? Or like three waiting times for the shipping or whatever. People need to understand that quality can last for years. Um, actually, I have a small story. I have an uncle, he needed bathroom repairs and he was trying to get different quotes and he got quoted a very cheap price compared to his first quote. And so he went with the cheaper one first because he was thinking like, oh, I don't need to pay this money. It's just like a small thing, right? And then um, I think it was like something with the bathtub. At the end of the day, the alignment was wrong over time. There were cracks and then he had to redo it again. And so he ended up having to pay like almost double than the, if he went with the more expensive route in the first place, Yeah, which the quality of materials that were used were way better. That just shows that these are things that we really need to consider because it could just be done with a quality fix. So sometimes paying more is actually more worth it Yeah, versus like three times or four times, right? Yeah, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast episode that I bought my first couch in my life, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think I told you how much it costed and you were like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I've had it for a year now and I can say that people who've had cheapo $100 Ikea sofas, after that one year, that shit looked like you were sitting on the ground. Mm -hmm. Definitely would put my money towards something more expensive. And especially if it has a good warranty as well or decent insurance uh -huh. so that if your pet decides it wants to like take a shit on it or if your cushions end up becoming too flat for whatever reasons because yeah. you became a fat ass then you can get it restuffed and all that kind of stuff and i know you can't do that with a hundred dollar ikea couch yeah probably not we're far from those college days guys when we're growing up right well assuming that you already graduated college and stuff you can go to college at any age I do remember buying secondhand couches and stuff from other people. I remember doing that too. And they were really shitty. But thinking back, I would not want my house to have that couch there, right? It's just really low quality and it doesn't look good. It's not comfortable. Secondhand couches, they're so gross. Yeah, we found a dead mouse in ours. Oh. <laughs> I remember some of our housemates took a picture of it and stuff, and they were so shocked. $25, man. It's three people, four people be squeezing. In. Plus a mouse. Plus a mouse, yes. Gross. That's really gross. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's nasty. Last but not least, of course, managing your bills as an adult. 
We're not going to get too much in depth here about bills, but just go back to our episode five to listen in about that. We talk about it in more detail there. Yep, yep, yep. One adult skill that's really important to learn too is CPR, actually. It's not that hard of a skill to learn. To know it, it's great. To do certain jobs, you need to be CPR certified. But it's just, you never know. You could potentially save someone's life, whether it be a friend or a family member or even somebody on the street. You should be a good Samaritan, right? And if you can save them, it's just a good skill to have. This was when I used to lifeguard. And actually, my second week on the job, I was out in the outdoor pool lifeguarding. And this guy ran out to me from the basketball court. He screamed. He said, like, hey, 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 this guy just collapsed in the basketball court. And given that situation, I can't just run away from the pool. I had to get the people out first. Mm -hmm. But then while that was happening, luckily, of course, word got out. And the backup lifeguard and the lead lifeguard I saw running down the hall. So they eventually became the first responders. And then I was the one that had to still watch the pool. Mm -hmm. And so they got there in time, but the way they described it was that they never saw a person's skin go from red to purple so fast. Like, that's really scary to me. But eventually the guy got saved. CPR, it did help him, and then the paramedics came, and he was good. But it's just like, you never know. It's like a good skill to have. Hopefully you never have to use it. Is there any place you can go to get CPR certified that doesn't cost money? That doesn't cost money. That I actually don't. No. Or doesn't cost a lot of money, I guess. Um, I actually don't know. I'm sure there's programs available. I am CERT certified, so I am actually a member of the Community Emergency Response Team. CERT. Yeah, I am CERT. And so they did mention that they have a CPR course, so you might want to look into county. You might want to look into your county's community events or something. They might have something on CPR. Okay. I mean, just because like to spend less. Yeah, of course. Even though we just talked about how <laughs> spending money for something good is important. You shouldn't pay that much just to learn CPR. Gotcha, gotcha. Another skill that we deem important that's in this miscellaneous section would be saving for retirement, investing, 401k, all of that stuff. Stuff that I can't talk too much about because I don't know too much about it right now. My boyfriend's really into day trading and those sort of investing and stuff like that, but he's made a little bit here and there. I don't know much about it, to be honest. Actually, I don't want to speak too much about it because we're not financial professionals. We're not there yet as well. I just don't want to say something and then you guys take our advice and then blame us in the end. You know, It's also a liability issue with money. It's a sensitive topic. Agreed. I would say in regards to this, it's just important to understand that is something you should think about and yes. perhaps care about and understand. Yes. But we don't really have any specific advice in that aspect. Yeah. As mentioned before, online, it's a great resource. Even YouTube nowadays has videos that describe the things mentioned, such as 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, mm -hmm. pensions, all that stuff. So check that out when you guys have time. So we've gone through such a long list of skills already. It might have seemed long, but it was just so much to talk about. And we can't really fill in that much or all adult life skills. 
we don't even know of all the adult life skills out there, but there are some skills we haven't even gotten into yet, such as buying a house or how to start a family because God forbid I don't have kids out there right now. I can't even imagine the steps to starting a family. Like there are people who take pre-birthing classes, that kind of stuff. And then you go have prenatal exams and prenatal checkups and ultrasounds. And then you have to have the baby in the hospital. How do you arrange that? What does the health insurance cover? How much of it is covered? How does that work? How does that get billed? (laughs) And then the babies need shots. When do they get their shots? And uh, even just listing that off now off the top of my head, I'm already like, shit. It's a big headache, (laughs) but it's also a part of growing up. And so (laughs) we'll get there eventually. Just talking about me and Candace now, not even talking about you guys. We'll see where life takes us. In the end, there's just so much that we still need to learn. And there's so much to learn that hopefully we provided some sort of insight on adult skills that we deem important or they should be universally important for all young adults out there. I'm going to get real in-depth into dental insurance Oh man! <laughs> in about three or four episodes later on. Stay tuned for that. I have one great story for that. <laughs> one. I'm sure there's many. One story with a billion branches. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. Anyways, guys, as usual, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us. Catch us next time on our next episode where we talk about roommates past and present and future maybe anyways guys stay safe out there wear your mask social distance and bye stay tuned for upcoming episodes and again if you have any questions or comments or cheetos oh yeah send them our way thank you